Welcome from Iractive. I'm Luca Bertuzzi, the Digital and Media Editor, and this is the Digital Brief Podcast. This week, we have a very special guest to discuss the latest policy discussions around the Digital Markets Act, which was approved by EU ambassadors earlier this week. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website Euractive.com. This is Euractive's Digital Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Tommaso Valletti, former Chief Competition Economist at the European Commission and now Professor of Economics at the Imperial College of London. Thank you, Professor Valletti, for joining us today. Thank you, Luca, for having me. Thanks a lot. This week has been a crucial one for the DMA, uh, and I would like to go through some of the key policy discussions uh, that have been ongoing in the European Parliament and European Council. So, first of all, uh, there has been a lot of discussions uh, concerning killer acquisitions, uh, which, as we know, Germany has been pushing for, uh, to include it in the scope of the DMA, and now it has uh, resurfaced in the parliamentary discussions. Uh, I would like to hear your point of view as an economist on uh, if, if you think these provisions should be included in the DMA. It's interesting to start talking about the DMA on an issue which is currently not present in the DMA. And so there's nothing about mergers generally in the, in the, in the, in the current draft of the DMA. And I am one of the people that have expressed concerns that we should be dealing with mergers as well because there is obviously dominance and market power um, among some of the big tech um, digital platforms, and uh, some of this dominance has emerged through organic growth, some through uh, potentially some abuse cases that we struggled to deal with in the past, but also through acquisitions. So in the past 20 years, I've said many times, uh, GAFAM, so Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft have acquired a thousand uh, companies. I'm not saying that all of these acquisitions have been bad, but however, if you look at the data, a thousand acquisitions, which is a large number, zero prohibitions to date, and the majority of them were not even vetted by any competition authority globally. So there is clearly a problem on the table, and the DMA doesn't do anything to address it. And it's not just about killer acquisitions, that is, you buy a, a company just because it's a potential rival to shut it down. But more generally, there's also the problem of reverse killer acquisitions, by which I mean the Google, the Apple, the Facebook, the Amazon, they have you know unprecedented resources and uh, they can innovate by themselves. So it's not restricting their ability to enter new businesses, but why on earth should they buy another company which can be a potential competitor? So. Um, it's you know, a make-or-buy decisions, and, and I think the GAFAM have all the resources to make themselves rather than uh, to, to, to buy uh, a, a company that either can grow by itself or can be purchased by other companies, so making the system more competitive, not less, less competitive. So also to, to make clear the proposals that some of us are making, we don't want to put restrictions on acquisitions by small companies generally, but just to put constraints on the GAFAM, on the, you know, the digital gate. 
keepers to to pursue this kind of uh, strategy to become even even bigger. So there is a lot of good economics behind it, and unfortunately in the DMA there is not anything. And, you know there is some sort of international convergence on the need to regulate the big big tech companies. However, uh, so in the US and the UK and the US and the UK specifically are are also proposing to put some limitations on the acquisitions and Europe instead has been completely silent on that. So, so that's really a point where some improvements through the debates, through the council or the parliament uh, are very welcome to make sure that this gap is going to be filled. And indeed, there are those that say that if these uh, provisions on killer acquisitions are not included in the DMA now, it will need to be revised in a few years' time. But uh, building on what you just said, uh, you are a former uh, commission officials, and the European Commission has not included these provisions, saying that it goes essentially against the legal basis, which is based on the internal market. Do you think that uh, the DMA is the right, so no one is, is questioning the fact that these uh, norms are needed, but do you think that the DMA is the right tool, or do you think that the Commission, as it said, it will uh, revise its merger um, regulation? So there is obviously a legal basis, but there is also a sense of uh, pragmatism that uh, I have learned uh, while working at the Commission. And so if you want to revise uh, so-called Article 22 for mergers in Europe, you need uh, unanimity, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you're not going to get that for the years to come. Instead, the legal basis of the DMA is different, so the, and it provides more flexibility. So I would have thought that it is precisely the right point in time, and also as I'm a lawyer, so so this is just my 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 best guess. It's the DMA should provide also the the flexibility to introduce constraints now on those companies because there is a degree of urgency. Uh, these comp competitors have disappeared, competition has been killed, and it's very difficult to go back in time in industries which move very fast. So there is a sense of urgency. And then perhaps if the Europe wants to revise also merger control in general, which is by all means something that could be done, they can adapt it in a few, few, few years down the line, but not vice versa. Wait another five years and see, and see if we can deal with uh, the big tech platforms in the future. I think we have to act now. I would like now to move to the enforcement discussion. Um, some large member states, uh, notably Germany, France and the Netherlands, have been asking for more involvement in the enforcement process. As a former regulator, how do you think that national authorities should be involved in this process? In theory, you want to ensure consistency so that uh, there is, uh, you know, legal certainty. Also, businesses are not caught in between different approaches to similar questions. And I understand that. And that's a typical answer you get from most people. At the same time, in a field like this one, which, you know, has some degree of novelty, you need to start doing things. You're going to learn by doing things. So I think some sort of uh, experimentation at the national level to see which best practices will emerge is, is actually needed, is going to be good. I have as a, as a reference point, uh, we started regulating telecommunications a quarter of a century ago, and there were some European regulation, but then the implementation was done by member states, by the national regulators, and they had different approaches. And sometimes, as you might expect, you know, I don't know, Scandinavian countries or the UK were at the forefront and others were following. But there has been a lot of institutional learning through different experiences at the country level, also because it was novel at the time. 
So this is an equivalent and an analogy that I, I would like to make here. On top of that, there is also a problem with resources. The Commission so far, from what I heard, is not putting on the table a lot of people and a lot of resources. And on the other side, you have really the most almighty companies in the world right now. Just you know, numbers sometimes help. The, the, the market capitalization as we speak of the GAFAM is 10 trillion US dollars. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an enormous amount of money and so an enormous amount of resources that can be spent. And therefore, if the national enforcers, the national regulators, the national competition authorities can actually help on, on, the, on that side too, I think that would be um, very, very welcome. So the DMA can provide the general guidelines for everybody, but then the national implementation, I think, would be interesting on both sides, both from institutional learning and also to relax a little bit the resource constraint. Another uh, key discussion around the DMA is about the scope. Uh, and this we are seeing, especially in the European Parliament. Uh, the leading MEP, Andreas Schwab, has been pushing for a higher threshold and for including more than two core platform services, whereas the S&D group has been pushing only for one CPS and a lower threshold. Where, what is the, the, the reason for a higher or lower threshold in your view, and, and what is the right choice to make here? Well, the debate is somehow related to how future-proof the system can be. And um, and so there's always a trade-off between uh, flexibility and discretion. Currently, the DMA is, is quite focused on some problems that we learned with the antitrust cases that were very difficult to be dealt with via antitrust, and that's why exante regulation now comes on the table. And so that's helpful because it focuses our attention, but at the same time, it's kind of narrow because it's just an exposed assessment of what we learned a little bit from the past, but we don't know what's going to happen next with voice assistance or in digital health markets or digital insurance. So in a sense, you if you have good, good, regu- good regulators, you want to allow regulators to be able to look at more platforms if they had the resources. So it's a little bit linked to the previous question you had. If, if, if you think the regulators don't have enough resources, instead of giving them a very wide mandate, let's try to fix the problems that we have learned and concentrate on some limited core platforms. My personal view is that since they move so fast, we need to not to, to include uh, even if things are not 100% well known now, the possibility of intervening fast enough also in markets which are growing because experience uh, has taught us that then exposed is very difficult to find remedies or as I said also earlier, to, to recreate the competition which has been, uh, been lost forever. A point that has been discussed, especially in the Council, is about the regulatory dialogue. Essentially, some member states were concerned that uh, a gatekeeper should be heard uh, if something, some obligations are not clear, if some part of the regulation uh, should be better explained. The Commission, on the other side, wants to have discretion uh, because they're afraid that uh, the gatekeeper might use this uh, dialogue to uh, delay the decision and and gain time. Uh, What is your view on this discussion? 
I find it extraordinary to say that the big tech platforms are not heard. They don't have, they have, they have been constantly heard. They have access to the politicians, they have access to the regulators, they know how to deal with them. They have policy affairs departments, they have lobbyists, they have consultants. So, so I find it rather extraordinary. Uh, you are in Brussels um, and uh, almost every day there is a panel, there is a debate, there is a workshop, there is whatever. And uh, these companies are always there. I mean, they, they are completely geared up for managing this change, which is, which is happening. Uh, so everybody knows that uh, that, that uh, some 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 changes are, are actually there, but they're just managing the change in their own interest. So so I have a very strong view about it, having seen the lobbying activities in Brussels, in DC, when I was at the Commission, and I've come to the conclusion that this is really so extreme that if uh, but, but, but what's missing, in fact, is alternative views. So in these debates, you don't have enough in NGOs, you don't have enough civil society, you don't have enough academics, you don't have enough independent views which are expressed. So the more we can hear those sides, the better it is. What are, in your view, the main risks for the DMA to become less effective in the upcoming negotiations between the co-legislators? Well, the, the main risks are that um, you know, what's going to happen is there's going to be Delays, as expected, there is going to be uh, lots of uh, shy regulators that don't know exactly what to do. They don't want to start having big conversations or big cases against the big tech on the enforcement because they don't have enough resources to go through. And uh, so it, it, all these uh, articles should be self-executing. And I say good luck when you will see all the gray areas which exist. So the risk is that... Uh, we are going to be, again, in the hands of this uh, half a dozen American companies in the next 10 years. So I don't see big changes coming out. So I don't have, unfortunately, a strong belief that things will improve anytime soon in Europe, unless there is leadership, there is leadership of uh, people that will want to take some bold moves. And I think the time has come uh, after 20 years of dominance in this in this space. And uh, so the strong leadership uh, is, is something I'm still awaiting somehow. And instead, I see more and more that the, the debate has been swallowed by you know, the usual people. Another paradox here is that there is a, a general acknowledgement that we failed using antitrust tools to moderate the power of these companies. And I am part of that problem because I was an enforcer and I personally failed. But then the debate is being led again by the same people. So the same people that for one reason or another didn't manage to find effective solutions are still the same people which are endlessly discussing on what to do next. And then they will have to make sure that things are done. So. Unfortunately, unless there is some change also in the approach and in the mindset, I don't see really big changes for you know European digital space. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free digital brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on all things digital directly in your mailbox. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and Amazon Music. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.